All right, we are back for another great episode of Black Equity Podcast. And I am excited about this conversation because we don't get to talk about it enough. To me, the future of our culture is going to be in what we decide to invest in and what we don't decide to invest in. And so I want to have a conversation today around the cannabis industry. And I believe that anytime that you're going to dive into a, a sector, you should bring somebody on and have a conversation with someone who understands that world. That way you don't walk in blind. And so for, for me, I'm excited today because we're going to bring on someone that uh, has really built a solid foundation in this space. Uh, my guest today is the founder of the GreenStreetAcademy.com, where uh, they are teaching the basics on investing in the marijuana industry. She's also the co-author of the Minority Report, which provides an annual analysis of minority-owned companies in the cannabis and hemp industries, and is also on the advisory board of the Color of Cannabis, and also serves on the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee uh, for the National Cannabis Industry Association. Uh, my guest today is Khadija Adams. Welcome to Black Equity. Thank you so much. I'm actually now the new chair of the diversity. Oh, watch out now. Congratulations. <laughs> when did that happen? That recently happened um, last month, actually. I'm super excited about that. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about that. And um, I am the founder of Khadija Adams and Girl Get That Money. So that also happened in May. Yeah. Awesome. Congratulations. So congratulations. Thank you for having me. And thank you. And congratulations to you. You're doing a phenomenal job. I really love the work that you're doing. Thank you so much, Khadija. Um, wow. Where to begin? So one of the things that struck me about your journey and your story is let's, let's go to 2014. So you sold all your possessions uh, to head to Colorado to get part of the green rush. Yes. So explain what the Green Rush is and how you knew, because I'm wondering at the time, did you really know it was the Green Rush? Or yeah. is it now looking back, we know it's the Green Rush? Well, well, yes and yes. So okay. let me tell you. So being an entrepreneur, first of all, I've been an entrepreneur since 1997. I found out early on that I was allergic to bosses. Okay, me too. I was raising four male sons, four, four sons, you know, as a single mother. Mm -hmm. and working at the time in corporate America. Couldn't do it. Totally allergic to bosses. I said I just had to do it. <laughs> so being an entrepreneur, having the opportunity and being privileged of being at the beginning of companies, you know, um, knowing what that was like, timing and positioning, you know, as time went on, understanding what Colorado was doing when they started talking about opening up an entire industry for adult use. I knew that that would change the industry in its entirety. So when you mm. have a new company that's about to start from the ground up and they're about to go big and they have this brand new product that's going to just disrupt an industry, you know that that can change a game. So when right. you have an entire industry that's talking about disrupting an entire medical community, a medical industry, right? You know it's going to change, especially when it's something that's federally illegal. 
Yeah. That's been medically approved only in a few states. Now you have this one state saying, you know what? Forget federal law. We're going to make this legal for adult use. We don't care what you say. And then you got the federal government, you, you got the government saying, okay, well, we'll let the state make the decision. And I'm thinking to myself, as I'm watching this unfold, I said, oh my God, they're getting ready to change the game. And I want to be a part of it. Yes. See, I understood timing and positioning, but I also understood that I couldn't do anything in Texas. So I knew I had to be in the thick of things. Mm -hmm. And I also have never been one to just hold on to possessions, although possessions are important. They're not the most important, right? Right. And so I had a garage sale. <laughs> I sold my business. Not mm. at the garage sale, but I sold my business. <laughs> okay. That would be I, very I, interesting conversation. Right, right. Right. But I did sell my business. And then I had a garage sale and sold everything in my house. My clothes, you know, I, I kept my clothes. I kept my cell phone. I kept my computer. And I kept my car. That's gotcha. it. Because that's all I needed. Yeah. I said, as long as I have my cell phone, I can do business. As long as I have my computer and the internet, I can do business. As long mm -hmm. as I have my car, I can get around. And as long as I have my clothes, I can put something on and meet people, right? right? Right. And I can do business. And I loaded up my car and I drove from Sugarland, Texas to Aurora, Colorado. And I immediately, literally the very next day, started going attending conferences, events, and I I began to get entrenched in the community, the you know, going to the political, um, a lot of the political um events that they would have. And just really got involved. Right. So that fun fact, uh, I was actually born in Aurora, Colorado. Really? Uh, yeah, I'm an army brat. So I only, I literally was there for a year, maybe two. Um, so going to Colorado before then, what was your, did you have any experience with marijuana or the cannabis industry prior to that? Yes. As far as, underground yeah. i was always an investor but never ever um and, and, and a consumer right okay underground so right. whenever i tell people my story i let people know that i have been in the industry legally since 2014 <laughs> gotcha okay i have never um had a felony i've never been in jail or anything like that um but you know you have caregivers who, who cultivate cannabis and they help patients. Well, mm -hmm. they have to cultivate the cannabis. And so they need supplies. And so I was the investor that helped them with the supplies. So when you showed up to Colorado and you began getting into the ecosystem, getting into the flow, what did you notice that made you say, oh shoot, I need to create some entities for minority owned businesses to get access you must have saw something that made you light bulb go off to create that opportunity. Man, let me tell you something. Honestly, mm -hmm. there were two women who came up to me and they said, first of all, Colorado does not like people coming in from out of state to do business. They don't like it. They don't like people coming in from out of state to get in because it was like the gold rush, right? Mm -hmm. During the gold rush time, you had people coming in from out of state who were actually finding gold. Colorado didn't like that. So they didn't want people coming in from out of state 
you know, get into the cannabis industry. They want that. If you were going to come in, you had to come in, learn what you need to learn and go back to your state with it. Gotcha. Okay. And so first of all, you had to get involved with the community. And what happened is one of the young ladies, she said, do you even know why cannabis became illegal? And honestly, I didn't know. She said, why don't you do your research? And I began to do my research. And it made sense to me. Find out what this thing is really about, right? And I began to do my research because really at first I thought it was about, you know, they just didn't like hippies. You know, maybe it was the 60s where everybody was getting high and, you know, not wanting to do anything. When I began doing my research, DJ, when I found out why cannabis was first became illegal, I was, I was pissed. Then I became furious. Then I became angry. And, and I just said, wait, I I was so hurt and I don't want to cry, but I was so hurt. I said, you mean to tell me all of this is a lie? Mm. You mean to tell me that Harry Anslinger, Hearst, DuPont, Mellon, that this was all a lie? That it was only to lock up black men, uh, Mexican men, and Asian men? Not only just to lock you up, right? It was to take you out of the household, to disrupt the family household, okay? Make the woman the head of the household, thus giving the woman the man's position and the the, the woman's position too, Right, so that when the man get out of jail, out of prison, he no longer has any rights. So now he can't not not only not get a job, he can't even vote. Took all of his power away from him. Hold on for a minute. Gave the wife the husband's position and the wife's position. So now she's mad at him because he came home. He can't get a job. Now he's envious at her. They going back and forth. He eventually leaves because he feels like he can't even compete with his own wife. He can't even be the man in the house. I want you to think about what has happened. Mm -hmm. And then now the wife, right, she's upset because the husband can't really be the husband because he can't bring in the money because he can't get the job. So he goes out here, he does some other stuff so he can go back into the prison system. Now the prison system is so overcrowded that now it's private prison system where they can make just a little bit more money. Now the wife, she out here struggling so much that now you got a predator looking at her. He looking at her because she got children. See? Mm-hmm. Not a stepdaddy coming into play because he can help her just to get to the children. You following where this is going? Yes, ma'am. You following me? Yes, ma'am. And I I I I I I was angry. I'm still angry. You understand me? And then when I'm out, I said, you know what? I said, we need to find out how and why it became illegal. We need to understand that we did not participate in any other industry as as far as creating generational wealth goes. And if we did, it was very few of us and we really didn't even help one of us lift one of us up to try and help us and come together. All we said was, you need to give me, give me, I deserve, I deserve, instead of us coming together And although we do deserve, don't get it twisted. What I'm saying is while we're out there saying we do deserve, we still need to come together and say, hey, let's pool our resources together while we're still out here uh, um, um, protesting. Let's still pool our resources together in the interim, right? 
and let's go ahead and make this happen together because individually we're financially weak, but together we're financially strong and let's make this thing happen because we didn't get in on the oil industry, did we? Nope. Did we get in on the big ass rice industry? The coffee no, industry? No, ma'am. Okay. But the cannabis industry was built on our backs. Our men, our women, black, Asian, Mexican, still being put in prison, black more so than all of us, right? Yep. So why wouldn't we benefit the most? I love where you're coming from. So let me make sure I repeat back what I believe I'm hearing. Okay. Because I've always suspected this, but I'm finally talking to someone who's been there on the ground level to have these conversations, shake hands, and build a business around this industry. Are you telling me that the marijuana industry or the, uh, the elite, them making it illegal was specifically to target quote unquote African-Americans, black people, black Americans to target us uh, to potentially put us into prison. And then of course that 13th amendment kicks in. Once you're in prison, then uh, you know, you, you're no longer considered human. Are you saying that what you found is that the marijuana industry or prior to it being an industry was specifically to target our community? What I'm saying is Harry Anslinger, Harry Anslinger, it is a true fact, okay, that one of his mentors from afar was Hitler. When I say from afar, that means he read his books. That means he loved his philosophy. That means he was prejudiced. He did not like Negroes. He did not like Mexicans. He did not like Asians. He attached unsolved crimes. He I'm sorry, he attached Negro men, black men, Asian men, and Mexican men, along with something called marijuana, with unsolved crimes. Mm -hmm. He also sent out um, 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 flyers, news reports, something called reefer madness, curse on the papers at the time. He owned 25 out of 33 media outlets at the time. Who do you think spread all those flyers in media and that reefer madness nonsense? Hearst did because Hearst and, and DuPont were in business. DuPont was a petroleum guy. Hearst was the newspaper guy. They had gotten a loan from Mellon. Okay. Hemp was coming up at the time. Hemp was taken over at the time. Hemp made all kinds of everything. Anything that you think of, hemp can make your glasses. Hemp can make those headphones you own, that hat that you have right now, lotion, um, anything, clothes. Anything you think of, hemp can make. Glass, anything you think of, hemp can make. Okay, so th those two went to Mellon. They said, you got to do something about it because we got money from you. And if this thing comes up, then it's going to put us out of business. So Mellon goes to who? He went to his... His nephew-in-law, Harry Anslanger, the United States' first drug czar, who was married to his niece. So Harry Anslanger took it as an opportunity. He actually went to Congress with something called marijuana. See, Congress didn't know about hemp. See, they understood what hemp was. They didn't understand what marijuana was. See, mm. if you look at the, at the brief, it, it took them 90 seconds, 90 seconds, to federally legalize, um, to, to criminalize um, marijuana. 90 seconds. Um, what is this marijuana stuff he's talking about? I don't know, but it says that it'll make um, our white women sleep with niggers. Mm. This is why 
they made it illegal. He lied. He used that Reefer Madness movie. He used all of those lies that went out that uh, um, white women uh, would sleep. Marijuana made white women sleep with, with niggers, is what he said, and jazz musicians. You understand? Mm -hmm. He put all of that nonsense out. And Congress believed him. It wasn't until weeks or months later that they realized that they made hemp something that they use every single day since before biblical times. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Yes. When you look at Genesis 1, 12, Genesis 1, 29, God saw that every seed that he created, every, every, every um, green that he created that yielded seed. Does not mm -hmm. hemp and cannabis yield seed? Yes, ma'am, it he does. He thought that it was good. So who are we to say that it's not? Right. So now how does this work? And I also want to get into investing in the, the industry. I know, I get all oh, no, 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 no. We're going to get, we're going to, get to this because all this is important. It all connects. It does. So how is it possible that something that is federally illegal a state can come in and say, forget what you're doing. We're just going to make this legal in our particular state and have free reign, for lack of a better word, free reign in this particular state so then we can have a green rush. How is that possible? Well, let, let me first use this disclaimer because my attorney told me I had to. I'm okay. not an attorney. I don't play one on TV or the internet. Understood. Um, so I have to make that statement. I also have to say that I'm not a financial advisor and I'm not a broker, so I don't play one on TV or the internet. I am, however, an accredited investor. Okay. Um, and so I can tell you how I invest in, in all that good stuff. As far as the state and federal level, one's federal, one state. There's the FBI, there's the state police, there's the state troopers, you know, et cetera, et cetera. They all have jurisdictions, right? Gotcha. So um, the feds, the, the, the government they all have their own jurisdiction, just like Congress does, right? So the president can say that he wants to have something happen or whatever else, and guess what? Congress can veto. Is that correct? Yeah. So so everybody has their place, okay? So yes, cannabis is still considered to be federally illegal, and until they reschedule it, it is going to be federally legal. However, on a state level, the, for instance, I'm in Arizona. Okay, in Arizona, cannabis is considered to be medically legal. So I have my medical license. So I can go into a dispensary with my medical license and I can purchase cannabis. Whereas if, if my neighbor who doesn't have a license, he cannot go in to a dispensary at all, period, unless of course they have a section set aside for just CBD. Right. Okay, now if you were in Colorado, it's adult use. If you, whether you have a medical license or not, you can go into a dispensary unless, of course, it's just a medical marijuana dispensary. Then they, they require that you have a medical marijuana um, license, right? So it just really depends. It really depends, really, on, on the state and federal. It's just different. different Understood. Mm -hmm. Understood. So you go towards this green rush. You build a brand um, around this, this industry. Um, what, what don't people understand or what should people understand about investing in the cannabis industry that most people don't know? What should yeah. they, what, what are they missing? 
So they're missing that it's not just about investing in the plant because when I invested in the industry, I invested in stocks and none of the stocks, none of the companies I invested in touched the plant. None of them. Right. They didn't touch the plant. So most people say, you know, when they find out that I'm an investor, they says, oh my God, you know, so how's it like investing in the plant? And, and I'm like, I don't invest in the plant. And they're surprised. So they have to understand that the same verticals that you find in traditional industry are also here. We have marketing companies, we have advertising companies, we have um, media companies, we even have radio stations. We have, all of that is right over here. We have law firms, we have accounting firms, all of that is right in the cannabis industry. So I love what you just said, because you just gave us a lot of game without people even knowing it yet. So I can invest, and this is exciting because I understand where this is going. And by the way, uh, the Green Street Academy will be yes. on our menu on Instagram. So if people want to be a part of your academy, they can yes. head over there. Absolutely. So I can, you're welcome. I can invest in the cannabis industry without ever touching a plant. That's right. You absolutely can. You can invest, let's say you decide that you're going to have a Black Equity and Cannabis podcast. Oh, here we go. Let's do this. Go All ahead. right, let's just do this. Right? <laughs> now, you have a Black Equity and Cannabis podcast. You have all of these phenomenal followers, right? And now you're going to dispensaries. You're going to all of these people because it's hard for us to, we have different marketing laws, okay? We can't go out there and just put advertisements, advertisements anywhere, we can only advertise within our own own communities. So now as a black equity um, podcast and cannabis, you can go to these dispensaries and actually um, sell advertisements to them. And because you have all of these followers, they're actually going to buy from you because we need to, we pay for advertising. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You can also go for investors and say, Hey, I have two, 300,000, followers and I'm looking for investors because you have those followers they know that you're going to get these dispensaries to advertise so guess what they understand that you're going to get they're going to get a return on the investment based on the fact that these these companies are limited in how they can actually market mm -hmm. they know that they have to come to somebody like you just to advertise is there a risk sure there is but the bigger risk it's for them to invest thinking that they can go to mainstream and advertise because they know that we can't go to mainstream and advertise right now. There's a particular way we can, but there, we can't mention the word cannabis. We can't mention the word marijuana. You know, we, it's a certain way that we have to advertise. Okay. And so for me, this is exciting because I want our listeners and our audience to have access that's really, for me, it's so important for us to have access, especially, now you correct me if I'm wrong, I, feel, I still feel like we're still in the beginning stages of, of this. Are we still early on into this industry, in your opinion? I, in my opinion, I believe that we are. Let me tell you why. Because we're still not federally legal. We are still in the basement, okay? We won't hit the ground floor until federal legalization. And so as long as we're still in the basement, it's time for people to position. The minute we hit the ground floor, we're going to be running all over people. It's going to be too late. Literally, when we hit the ground floor, we're going to be running. So if you're in the way, I'm going to run you over. Right. I don't, I'm not going to have time to teach you. 
I'm not gonna have time to be your consultant. I'm gonna be running with all of those people who position with, you know, the people who position all of the clients who's been raising money. Because think about this. The minute that it goes federally legal, the investors who were hesitant, they're gonna be running in. And they're gonna be running in with the, the, the companies that have been in here the longest time. The ones that's been in for two, to, since 2009. Think about this. Because when, as an investor, I'm not going to invest in this brand new, uh, brand new company. Here it is. I'm thinking federal legal. I've been saying this for the longest time that we're going to be federally legal by 2022. All right. Let me write that down. We'll That's see if you're me. right. Now, mark my words. I, I've always said that between 2020 and 2022, I've said that. Okay. okay. Between 20 and 2020 and 2022. But let's say a company said, well, I'm going to start my business in 2022. I'm not invested in that company, me personally. I would rather look at a company that has been putting up the fight, still in business since 2014, 2009, 2019, 2018. They have the staff, they know the industry. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. 2022, you just got here. You need some experience. <laughs> you better get up out of here. So now is the time to, to position. Okay. So the next question I have, how do we get in position for uh, the green rush? Call me. <laughs> <laughs> call me. Call, you know, call me. Yes. Um, you can call me or you can 480-269-5811. Call me or okay. go to my website and, and, and or call a consultant. I, I strongly recommend, let me tell you something. One thing that a lot of people um, miss, they, they want to quote unquote, pick someone's brain. Just the mere fact that you want to pick someone's brain denotes the fact that they are an expert, which means that you need to pay cash, right? Gotcha. Okay. And you want to, because when you pay them, that, that's value. Right. And you're going to want value in exchange. Correct. Right. And so you want to make sure that you hire the right person. Make sure you vet that person. Make sure you get some references and everybody's not going to give you bad references. They're going to give you good references. So make sure you're asking the right question when you get the references on the phone. Right. And before you get them on the, and before you, um, after you ask the references, the right question, even before you hire them, you still want to make sure that you contact other companies in the industry just on the fly to see if they know that person or know yeah. anything about that person before you hire them. Because a lot of people are losing money hiring the wrong person to either represent them or to help them. I can't tell you how many people call me, Ms. Khadija, I need your help. I lost $10,000. I lost $20,000. I paid somebody $5,000 and disappeared. Mm. Okay, this is a new industry, even though it is the fastest growing industry. There's a lot of people who come into this industry and have taken advantage. So please don't let people take advantage, okay? Now, if when we contact you or a consultant, what are we, for those who are still trying to understand, what exactly are we getting consulting for? Just okay. so I can understand that part. That, that's important. The first thing you want to do is know what it is that you want before you contact the consultant. 
Okay. And the only way that you're going to know what you want, first of all, I tell people, bring your current experience into the industry. Please don't tell me you're a beautician and you want to start a cultivation and you have not even grown an ivy. <laughs> but if you're a gardener. If you or... are a gardener. Okay. Then yes. Okay. But even if you're a beautician and you want to go and learn how to cultivate, you can do that because we're human beings. We can always learn. Okay. But please don't tell me that you're a beautician and you're going to start this cultivation. You're going to grow yourself. I can understand you being a beautician and you have maybe an inheritance and you're going to hire an experienced cultivator and experienced team. That makes sense. But I've had people tell me, oh, I am a um, chef and I'm going to have a cultivation. Don't tell me that. Tell me that you're a chef and you want to learn how to cook with cannabis. That makes sense. Okay. For you, you're, you're in the media, right? Yes, ma'am. So it would make sense for you to say, you know what? I want my own black equity um, podcast and cannabis and um, news, you know, a media um, um, website, a news website, blah, 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 blah. That makes sense to me. That I would invest in because I know you know your stuff. You've been doing this for a, a few years, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? You have a following, et cetera, et cetera. That makes sense. So if you pay attention to what you are already familiar with, which you're good at, and you bring that over into the cannabis space, now you know what it is that you want. Now you can match yourself with the right consultant. You're looking for a consultant who can help you perfect and bring your craft into the cannabis space versus you coming in, because you're gonna have to learn now a new craft if you're talking about a dispensary, a cultivation, or now you wanna start making edibles. Understood. Now, like I said before, we're going to feature uh, the Green Street Academy on our Instagram. Awesome. What can people expect when they go to the Academy and they go to the website and they decide to be part of the Academy? Yeah, so the Academy has over 35 modules. And so the first part of the modules, um, there's a lot of videos in there. There's eBooks in there. And those modules teach you about, you know, how and why cannabis became illegal. Um, it also teach you about how the um, stock market got its first beginning, how it started. Most people think penny stocks started way long after um, the stock market, and it didn't. It started alongside the stock market. In fact, penny stocks started on the curb, kind of like people selling selling marijuana on the curb. Right, it right. It started out on the curb. So it, it's really funny how it, it started. So it talks about that. And then it goes into, um, it's even a booklet in there with over 200 plus companies. And I broke down those companies with the stock symbol, with the sector of the industry that they're in. Um, so that book is free. So when you register for free, you get that book for free, okay? And then once you um, sign up, you can either sign up for monthly or an annual, um, at an annual cost or whatever, but you get access to those modules. And then if you um, go into the um, higher learning, then you have AJ Monty of the Market Guys. He has 25 modules in there, okay? He's doing the analysis, okay? So that's amazing. And that's for someone who maybe they're not a novice may, or maybe they're ready to move on, right? Past that to more advanced training. 
So he does the marketing analysis and all of that. That's in there. And then um, in the next month or so, we'll have some CBD courses that will be updated in there and some compliance courses in the cannabis space that will be updated in there as well. Yeah, and I encourage you guys to go to Girl Get That Money. It's girlgetthat.money, girlgetthat.money. Um, they have a lot of resources. We have over 29 Black-owned banks listed on the website. We have um, women-owned VCs, um, venture capitalists um, listed on there. We have a lot of resources for women on that site. It's called Girl Get That Money because every business I've ever started, I've always been able to find investors. And so I'm teaching women how to get that money. I love it. I love it. Um, how does it feel? Because you've really created a pathway, in my opinion. You're, you're creating a pathway to generational wealth. That's right. And for many people, they may not see it, but I, I think I see it. You are a trailblazer. Oh. You are uh, doing something that is going to shift our culture, our society. How does that feel to know that you're in the middle of history, but in current day form? How does it feel to, to know that you're doing that? You know what? Um, first of all, thank you. And I'm humble because I didn't, um, gosh, I'm, I'm excited, but I'm really humble because I'm just passionate about this. I just believe that there's enough out there for all of us. Mm -hmm. And whether we like each other or don't, I believe that girls compete, but women empower. I believe that all people of color, namely black people, unapologetically, I say black people, we need to come together, learn how to work together. It is a myth that we can't work together. I believe that we've been working together. We have always been entrepreneurs. When we came off the plantation, when people said we didn't know where we were going, that's not true. We were entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. Okay? And so I believe that it's a myth that we were told that we can't work together. We have always worked together. Okay? And I believe that we have to re-educate ourselves because we've been educated with lies all this time. And now it's time to re-educate ourselves with the truth. So how do I feel? I'm sad that we're at this point where we have to re-educate ourselves about something that we should already know. Mm -hmm. But I'm happy too that we're able that we're alive and we're able to get it done. And we're committed. So if I can help create generational wealth, <coughs> excuse me, not just for me, but for other people then I'm happy to do it. Definitely. Um, you know, they say that if you empower a man, you basically just empower him. But when you empower a woman, you empower an entire nation. The entire and, nation. And so as you are building this brand, of course, obviously you attract more than just women because here I am <laughs> talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, as you're empowering women to invest in this space and uh, other spaces as well, um, how does it feel to see them rise up and take ownership of their, uh, of their businesses, of their, of their investments, of their life? 
how does that feel to to put that in place and empower a nation like that? You know what? It feels great. It feels really great. And and every now and again, even with the nonprofit, especially nonprofit organizations, I like to give I like to donate money and I do so anonymously and I do it anonymously on purpose. Um, every now and again, I won't do it anonymously, but for the most part, it's anonymously. I like to empower women. I believe writing a check does that, but I also believe that recognition does that. I also believe that edification does that. Being able to edify someone like Tanjanika Daniel, you know, out of Georgia, you know, they call her Jane Green. You know, if you don't know her, she's someone to know, you know, she is an amazing chocolate woman. Okay, she's doing some phenomenal things. She has her own CBD line for skincare. She's just awesome, you know? And um, when I see her, she automatically makes me smile because when I look at her, she's so short and little. And just to know that, she was a mar- that she's a Marine, and I'm like, you? And she has these Angela Bassett arms, and I'm like, girl, you know? But to see her shining and to see how intelligent she is and how she communicates with people it makes me proud because she's younger than me by about maybe 20 years. But it, well, I wouldn't say 20 years. Okay. I'm not that old. Okay. But, but just to see her generation, it makes me proud to see, okay, we're doing good. Yeah. We're still doing good. So it, it just makes me feel good. And to see Wanda James, Wanda James was my first consultant in this space. You understand me? And to see the women that she's touching, it just makes me feel good to know and see how she's now giving back. You know, she's been giving back to the cannabis community since she started. But as you know, when we first got started, it was only a handful of black women in the space. Mm -hmm. It was Wanda James, me, and maybe two or three other black women. But now it's so many and now we can help so many. So seeing that, I mean, it just makes me feel empowered. I just want to see more of us coming together to see more of that, more sisterhood, real sisterhood, and not it being a cliquish sisterhood, but a sisterhood of togetherness and empowerment. Now, I mentioned earlier uh, on this episode that you're the co-author of the Minority Report. Yes, and I have your copy right here. Oh, thank, awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah. I, I am, as well as being a podcaster, I'm an investor. And oh. so for me, I'm excited because I haven't had the right, to me, I haven't had the right person to bump into uh, to learn this area. I don't believe you should invest in anything until you understand it. That's right. And so this is my first uh, opportunity to really understand the investing side. And so that's what I'm really most excited about. Uh, But I bring up the minority report because I know it it focuses on uh, talking to minority owned companies in the cannabis and hemp industry. What is the current landscape? Because I know you mentioned just a few moments ago that you wish there were more. What is the current landscape of black owned businesses being in this space and how can uh, our company or other organizations help to improve that? Can I tell you that it's less than a thousand of us Mm. in the country? Wow. 
Did, did you hear what I said? I heard you loud and clear. Or let me just take this back. It's less than a thousand of us that we know of. Right, right. Okay. And when I say less than a thousand of us, and then out of out of the the black owned companies that have completed our surveys or whatever else, it's less than 300. Mm. Okay. So I'm talking about as far as minorities is less than a thousand. And that's Latinos, Asians, um, blacks, and other minorities, women. Okay. So I think it's sad. We have white men that own the majority of everything in this industry. Well, hell, we have the white men that's putting us all in prison. Come on now. Right. It's a problem. I have a problem. I have a, I have a problem. Houston, we have a problem. Definitely. <laughs> America, we have a problem. Okay? So I want to see more um, black companies and more black people come out of the clo- the can of closet is what I call it, what we call it. The, come out of the can of closet. Because, see, we'll smoke cannabis, but we don't want to let anybody know because either we, we're afraid that the preacher, the pastor, the priest, the rabbi, the imam, you know, we're afraid that the shape, we're afraid that they're going to say something to us. The grandmother, the mother, we're afraid that they're going to say something to us. Or we're afraid of the police, you see? We're afraid of the stigma. So we're not saying anything. I believe that there's more of us that are just in the closet and don't want to come out. Because our jobs, we're afraid to lose our jobs. Because believe it or not, some of us have lost our jobs. Wow. Okay, yeah. Whereas, I mean, I mean, I know a couple of Caucasian people who have lost their jobs too. I mean, Jane West, I invested in Jane West. She's a Caucasian woman out of Denver. Okay, she lost her job the minute she was on a um, um, commercial. Well, she was on the news. That's what happened. She lost her job. That's how she, she was one of the founders of um, Women Grow. Okay, she lost her job. So I get it. But for the most part, if a black person is seen because of the stigma, he's he or she is automatically labeled a pothead and oh my gosh, she must be a criminal too. And let me tell you the situation with investing. Whenever I've invest, introduced an African-American or an African or a black investor, the number one question I get, the first question is, have you done a criminal background check? I swear to you. Mm. Whenever I've introduced a white investor, I've never ever to this day ever gotten that question not that they haven't checked but i've never been asked that question ever ain't that something did you hear me i said ever ever wow um, whether it was a black woman mm-hmm. or, a, or, or a, a, a black man it's always asked and it's always said well you know we have to do a um, background check initially before we do anything and da 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 a background check. Let me try to hear that right. A background check to invest. Oh yeah, because according to the SEC and according to the law, when you invest in cannabis, you cannot have a felony. Hmm. Yeah. Ain't that something? You cannot be a bad actor. But if I got my felony because of this, the, wait. Let me. <laughs> You got to get it expunged first, if you can get it expunged. As long as you didn't, as long as you didn't have, um, like, it, it wasn't a violent mm, time, okay. 
arrest, like a violent, you know, it wasn't a gun charge or something with it, you know. Gotcha. Um, okay. So everything you're saying is really speaking, speaking to my soul. And you sit on uh, the advisory board uh, for the color of cannabis. Mm-hmm. In that position, what are you seeing? And a lot of what you're seeing, you've been already been telling us. But as you're sitting on that advisory board, what are you seeing in the industry that we need to be aware of as Black business owners and as Black investors? Well, I have to tell you that I'm new um, at, on the advisory board of the Color of Cannabis. We've only had two meetings. And, um, and so um, actually what's coming up is an expungement. Um, they're going to be working on the expungement. Yeah. So they're doing a lot of work as it relates to, to expungement. Um, and so I'm super excited about the work that they're doing. And, um, but what I am seeing is that in the industry as a whole, especially in California, man, mm-hmm. they have a social equity. They are huge and big and as it relates to, you know, social equity. Um, the NCIA now, you know, there was a lot of, you know, um, Aaron Smith, wanting to at the beginning of 2014 onward you know a lot of people gave him a lot of grief behind him not having a social equity um um you know section or department or whatever and it wasn't that he didn't want to have it he didn't have the support or the help and you're you're talking to a white man and asking a white man hey you need a social equity when he doesn't know anything about social equity but he didn't have the help Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not that, and, and he is a nonprofit, right? A trade nonprofit, not a 501c3. And so, um, you know, it, it, so a lot of us reached out to help. And mind you, he put it together. That's where the DEIC comes in at. And, um, and so now what we're seeing is that social equity is being able to, you know, is popping up. And what the DEIC is looking to do is we're looking to, to be that company, that organization, that companies in the space. Um, reach out to and say, hey, look, we need your help putting together a DEI, um, C, uh, a DEI um, um, program for yeah. our company, right? And really paying our organization to put this together. And maybe even having the color of cannabis, right? Putting something together like that as well. You know, because I think a lot of these companies really don't know. That's almost like going to a, a, a predominantly white neighborhood. Maybe they've never, ever lived in a black neighborhood. Maybe they don't know the struggles of, uh, of people in the black neighborhood. You can't honestly say that a white person who's never lived in a black neighborhood knows the struggle of a black person who's lived in a black neighborhood. You can't say that. So you can't put them down for not knowing. Right. Just like you can't say a black person who's, who grew up in the suburbs knows the struggle of a black person who grew up in the hood. You can't. Right. It's apples and oranges. Just because they black, they don't know. You know, you would think, oh, you're black, you should know. That's not true. But let's dive into that a little bit deeper. You're mentioning the uh, DEI. Who exactly, what type of companies need to be adopting some of the strategies and some of the, the things that you're teaching? Who, who are you targeting? Just in case they're listening. Who needs to know about this so that they can implement this in their company? All of them. Okay. Every last company, because this whole entire world is changing, as we can see. There's so much civil unrest, and it's civil unrest because there's a lack of equity in every doggone thing. Not just in the cannabis industry, in everything. People are fed up. 
And it's like, you know, I've asked someone the other day, they called me because they're a CPA and they were, they were, um, you know, they were soliciting their business to me and it was a Caucasian person. I said, well, what kind of DEI program do you have? Oh, it's just me. I said, perfect time to put one together. Mm. Right. You're talking about a business. I said, do you, I said, what are your, what does your first five years look like? She couldn't tell me. Well, why not? You're starting a business. You don't know what your first five years look like. Your first five years should be finished before, before you even start. Yeah. Because what are you talking about? I said, you don't have a business plan. That's what that means. That means that you should have an outline already before you even open your doors. Jim Rome even said it. Your week or your month should be finished before you even start. That's what that means. Outline and know where it is that you're going before you even start. That's what that means. And so that means that even if you're starting a daycare, you should have a DEI program already set before your doors even open. And if your doors are open and you don't have one, it's time to get one. And if you have a daycare and you don't have one in the cannabis industry, I strongly recommend that you get one in the cannabis industry for those parents who do consume cannabis so they don't have to worry about CPS running behind them because they consume cannabis and they have children. And then at that point, it would be um, cannabis friendly. Well, I wouldn't make the daycare cannabis friendly. What I would do is make the daycare a place, a safe haven for the children of cannabis friendly families, right? I'm not saying smoke up with this. (laughs) (laughs) No, we don't want the little. I I didn't mean. (laughs) But what I mean by that is because I think, like you said, people get in trouble or they're concerned with who knows what. So to make it to make it cannabis friendly for the adults, as far as yeah. hey, we don't care, you know, we're on the same side. I think that's so right. important in the industry. Yeah, and what about these kids who are have epilepsy who mm. take consume cannabis themselves? Yeah. And some of these schools are not, um, um, you know, the 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 nurses are not, you know, dispensing them um, their medicines, right? You know, I mean maybe there's opportunity there. Maybe someone who owns a daycare, regular daycare can check into how they can make this happen because these parents have to go to work, right? Yeah. They have to get a job and go to work. Maybe they have other kids too. So that's, that's room there. There may be opportunity there. You know, I, I'm once again, I'm very, very excited that we uh, bumped into each other online uh, we were able to set up this uh, episode because I'm about to dive in <laughs> and really understand this world. I have been waiting and waiting and waiting because, I, like I said, I don't want to get into something unless I know that I have a resource that I can go to. Uh, so if I bump into you know any issues or problems, I can say, okay, I know where I can go in order to um, you know get over that hurdle. Yeah. For people who are listening to this episode and they want to uh, have you as part of their world as their consultant, of course, there's an investment for it. Where can people go to learn more about you, to uh, hire you as a consultant, to be part of your academy? Give us everything that we need in order to be in frequency with you. Absolutely. So you can find me on my website. It's KhadijaAdams.com and it's spelled K-H- a D 
I-J-A-H-A-D-A-M-S.com, KhadijaAdams.com, or you can reach me at 480-269-5811, and that's 480-269-5811, or you can reach me on Instagram at GirlGetThatMoney. Yes, I'll definitely uh, hit you up on Instagram and LinkedIn. Uh, so we, we <laughs> so we are well uh, connected in that way. Absolutely. Uh, and if you guys are looking for investment opportunities, and and DJ, hey, look, if you're looking for investment opportunities, or if you want to um, actually pull in some resources together and mm -hmm. and like a savings account, much like a fund, y'all get at me. Let's put this thing together and and start. Um, you know, investing in some of these private, not just the, not just the marijuana stocks, because I've graduated, okay, to private placements, and there's opportunities out there for private placements, okay, I can put some things in front of you, you know, now I'm not a, a financial advisor, I do recommend that you speak to a financial advisor, tell your financial advisor to take cannabis out the picture, just look at the company, look at the numbers, Mm -hmm. And that financial advisor should be willing to do that. Tell them to take cannabis out the picture, take hemp out the picture, and look at the numbers. This is not about the plant. This is about the numbers, okay? And look at that. I can get you some pitch decks, one-pagers, um, some P&Ls, whatever you need. But seriously, take a look at what's happening in this industry. It's time for us to get positioned in this industry. And, you know, one of our missions is to connect Black uh, entrepreneurs with Black investors. That's right. And so... I invite you anytime for us to stay connected. So if you need to present any type of opportunities, yeah. uh, come back on the podcast or we can do something separate webinar or whatever it may be uh, for us to really get people the access that they need. Um, this is a safe haven for you. We are cannabis friendly. <laughs> so feel free to uh, come here and, and have that conversation. Any final thoughts? for our listeners before they head out today. Absolutely. My final thought is that you will miss 100% of the shots that you don't or won't take. So I'm telling y'all this cannabis train has already left the station. You either jump on, but you better hold on because we are not going to stop. Thank you, Khadija Adams, so much for coming on Black Equity. This is the first of many conversations, and I look forward to staying connected. And thank you for being part of our network. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me and continue to keep up the great work. Thank you so much. Take care.